Hello, my name is Scott Bradley and this is Scott Squad Podcast and today I'm joined by Chris Loner. Chris, how are we? Yeah, I'm not bad, yourself? I'm very well, mate. So Chris, after 22 years, Scotland have finally qualified for a major tournament after beating Serbia 5-4 on penalties to make the Euros. What's your thoughts, mate? Yeah, it's fantastic. Well, Steve Clark and the boys have achieved um, ending what come June what will be 23 long agonising years of hurt um, really lifted the mood of the nation um, especially during these hard trying times I think it's really what the country needed and countries still divide on a lot of other fronts so real good to see country united in that sense and overjoyed at the achievement so talk me through your reaction, Chris, when David Marshall made that save to send us to the Euros. Well, I was actually sat. At, well, when it, I'll take you back to normal time and um, Serbia's corner that led to the goal. I knew they were getting a goal from it, and I was just like, right, I can't watch it. I know it's going to happen. I kind of watched hands like cover my eyes almost. Um, and then there's a bit of a relief that we got to penalties. We didn't play that good in extra time. Um, and then I was prepared for what it was. There was a few of the penalties I thought, oh, he's missed it. Or, and then it was a sense of relief when I got in the back of the goals. But, um, it was sudden death at that point, as it was, on the fifth penalty. Um, and then I was still just sat like, hands clasped over my mouth. Just like, come on, we need a moment here. Um, and then David Marshall died into his left. And second I seen it was saved, I would just like leap up from my bed. I was in my bedroom, um, jumping, cheering, clapping on the spot. But absolutely was in my mind. Can't remember the last time I lost it over a penalty save or any go a goal or anything like that. Was there uh, a few tears, like tears of joy coming down your face? <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, Chris, right? But right before penalties, I put in the Scott Score chat, boys, we've got this, 100%, we're going to win. And Joe was like, stop jinxing us, mate, stop jinxing us. And look what happened, mate, we won, 5 4 in penalties, we're going to Euros. Yeah, you don't call yourself Mystic Bradley for nothing. Absolutely, mate. <laughs> yeah, but I'm absolutely delighted, mate. And uh, I can't wait. Um, it's going to be something and fingers crossed fans will be in the stadium at that point um, are you confident that will be the case at least some fans will be able to watch Scotland uh, play against England at the Euros I've got a sense of hope that there'll be some people
how much faster can roll them out, um, produce them, level of uptake. So all these factors, I don't know what point they'll be able to make the judgment call as to if and how many fans can attend games, but even if like, some kind of fan presence will be a, make it a bit more of a special occasion as opposed to watching an empty stadium, um, especially when it's our first tournament in 23 years and two of them all bit hammed and one down at Wembley against the old enemy. Yeah, because obviously Wembley is a it's the capacity is at ninety thousand, right? So I don't think we'll see ninety thousand fans there, but I think we will see some fans there, and um, because due to the how big the stadium is and social distancing measures will be in place, you know. So fingers crossed that a vaccine will come round by that point. But we've said on the pod previously, Chris, that COVID is so unpredictable. You know, so just we'll just need to wait and see. Um, but what do you make of Scotland's group? Uh, we've got Czech Republic, England, and Croatia. Very tough, mate. And I'm going to be honest, but <laughs> we'll be lucky to get a point out of that group. Um. Well, got we got results against um the Czechs in the Nations League campaign. Um, beat them home away, albeit the. First time we played them, I think that was the one in Prague. That was um, a bit of a makeshift side because of COVID concerns. They had to pull together a completely new team and basically overnight. Um, Croatia, um, obviously, World Cup runners up. Um, they'll be no pushover, so don't really see us getting anything against them. Well, certainly not a win, but. Um, who knows if we can get a draw at Hampton and beat the Czechs again, then who knows, maybe one of the best third place teams um, and we might actually go out of a major tournament group stage for the first time ever. So how do you fancy our chances against uh, England? No, not very well. Um, you'd be going to Wembley, hope more than anything. I've made the trip to Wembley myself, an amazing experience day out um, with some stadium. Um, obviously, the hope is that it can be a full lit pre drink party, Trafalgar Square, um, roasting hot sun, sunny day, blasting Yes, I Reckon Boogie out. <laughs> oh, mate, that song is stuck in my head. I'm not even joking, man. Like, it was great at first. I don't want to be a party pooper here, right? It was great at first, but now, mate, I'm sick to death of it. <laughs> I think I'll be the only Scottish person to say that, you know, but <laughs> that's just me. Um, how did it even start again? Was it not because uh, of Andy Considine's stag do? That music video, which was brilliant, by the way, and the song playing in the music video was Yes, Sir, I Can Boogie. Yeah, it was um, Andy Considine's stag do, which was five years old, I think it only really caught the attention of Aberdeen fans at the time that it went up online. Um, Andy Considine on his stag do, dressed in drag, lit, miming to the song with all like, his stag do mates. Um, and then when he got called up to the Scotland squad just recently, um, I think the players kind of adopted it as a bit of a tribute to him. And then after that result against Serbia, um, I think the post-match celebrations, um, players, I think it, it accidentally became a bit of a success in Anton that 
encapsulated all the success and the feel good factor of it all and I think the nation just kind of took it like, and yeah and ran with it yeah because I've seen the, the open go boys um, I've been like singing it a lot so they have I think that's probably why I went off it because <laughs> anytime I go on open go that's the only song they're singing or it's the only thing they're going on about <laughs> you know um, but one thing I will say about Scotland Chris is Steve Clark has got Scotland very well organised and were very hard to beat and before Scotland were real pushovers for any other country uh, that came up against us but were very well organised, well drilled, disciplined, something we haven't been in a long, long time you know and Clark does deserve a lot of credit for that you know and even though the football, let's be honest, is pretty dross it doesn't matter as long as we get results you know so, do you agree with that uh, statement? Yeah, definitely. I think it was um, eight or nine matches we managed unbeaten before we lost our last two Nations League matches um, just after the playoff. So, I watched those games. Um, definitely was some good football making chances, but unfortunately we weren't taking them. So, I think the squad needs to get better at actually taking their chances to get the goals in and get the results because there was plenty of positive play on show. Yeah, 100%. And uh, I just want to touch on this, Chris, uh, before we move on to the Celtic segment. It's a nice wee segue. Lee Griffiths, I really don't want to bring him up, mate, but I feel like I need to. Um, Right after Scotland qualified for the Euros, fantastic night, brilliant history for the country. Everyone's buzzing. What does Lee Griffiths go and decide to do? And ruin it for himself. He goes on Twitter. And he acts like a daft little boy. As he always does. And he likes a tweet. Of Kyle Lafferty grieving. Over his sister passing away. And he got. Quite rightly. Criticised for it. And he deleted his Twitter. That just shows that he's guilty. Then he comes out on Instagram saying he didn't mean it. Then he tried to make it all about himself, as he always does, and make himself the victim. And said, oh, I'm getting all this abuse, blah, blah, blah. Of course it's wrong that Griffith's got abuse, right? But why is he going around liking photos of Kyle after grieving over his sister? It's pathetic, you know? And I put a wee piece up the other week talking about how Celtic need to part company with Lee Griffiths and believe it or not Chris Celtic fans agreed with me Joe Gal, who's one of the biggest Celtic fans that I've ever met was like Scott you're spot on with that piece I agree with everything you've said in that you know um, but what's your thoughts on that? Um, yeah well I, th- I thought that um, the tweet was more about um, Lafferty being upset over the Northern Ireland failing to qualify but obviously um, I still thought the tweet was very it was a very insensitive move on, on Lee's part for liking the tweet because obviously with the sad sadness that Kyle would have been dealing with that his sister had just died it would have made the result feel all that worse so obviously he's bound to show a bit more emotion so um, yeah it was a very very insensitive move for liking such a tweet I can understand why 
people would have interpreted like it was like not tweet for that reason. Um, plus, it would have been a hard tweet to find. I don't. There wasn't anything obvious on the initial tweet that would have suggested to me that would have been easy to find. So he must have actively been looking. Or something. Yeah, um, you said that in the Scott Scott chat. Um, you were like, yeah, it's not like that's just came up in his timeline. Lee Griffiths has went into the Twitter uh, search bar and looked that tweet up, you know, and it's been very well documented what happened to Kyle Lafferty's sister, right? It's, it's been in the press. Um, it's been on social media. Everyone knew about it. And for Griffiths to, like, do something like that is despicable. And in my piece that I wrote, I listed off all the reasons why Celtic should get rid of him. And he's just a PR disaster. He really is. As talented as Lee Griffiths is, he is his own worst enemy. And, yeah, it's ridiculous. And I think Celtic should do the right thing, but they won't. Yeah, I agree. Um, Yeah, it's just... Probably time we think about moving on past them, um, get somebody in a lot more mature and doesn't always kind of bring himself and the club ultimately into disrepute. So, um, but I definitely don't see it. Yeah, 100%. So we'll move on and we'll speak about Celtic, Chris. It's like an ongoing thing this uh, every time we do a podcast, Chris, that um, Celtic, more doom and gloom. So there is, um, where do we start? Where do we start, Chris? Um, first of all, uh, we, we need to speak about the Neil Lennon thing. Um, the Green Brigade were at Celtic Park today, nice and early in the morning, with a big banner saying that time is up, basically, for Neil Lennon and that he needs to go and he has to go in order to save the 10. Um, what was your, first of all, what was your thoughts on that banner? Obviously, um, Green Brigade, um, controversial bunch. Um, I'm all for them for the colour and atmosphere they, they've provided to Parkhead over the years. I don't agree with their politics whatsoever or any of those kind of views. Um, and it's almost like they've turned on Neil Lennon. You've seen the photos of the banners from years ago that Neil Lennon will never walk alone, and now it's like time to go, Neil. Um, as for Neil Lennon himself, um, I don't know how much longer he can really stay in the job. Um, seen a f- seen one interesting tweet. Um, it was um, Rangers aren't the biggest threat to ten in a row anymore. It's Neil Lennon. I've seen a few Celtic fans say that, right? Um, but I think now Celtic fans are realizing that, yeah. Rangers are, are a serious threat now and if I'm being honest I don't really buy into Neil Lennon's the biggest threat to 10 in a row I think it's I think see because Celtic have had it so good and easy for like so long over the years now they're finally getting a challenge of a real good team in Rangers and I'm not just saying that because I'm a Rangers fan this team is really good and we're in the form of our lives right now the best start we've made in 53 years right and Celtic fans are realising that you know and the way they've reacted over Neil Lennon, especially the Green Brigade, is pretty embarrassing, I think, because see when Alan McCoy was Rangers manager, Chris, back in 2014, when we were in the Championship, we were like 12 points behind Hearts 
in the bloody championship, right? And I wanted Al McCoy scoring. The majority of Rangers fans wanted Al McCoy scoring. But we never once made a banner saying, time is up, Ali. Ali, get to fuck or anything like that. Pardon the French, you know. We never done anything like that. There was only one time the Rangers fans were saying, Ali, eh, GTF, was when we played Hearts away at Tynecastle. And this was just a, a very small minority, right? Um, and it was when he, uh, he, t- he took off Lewis McLeod who was our best player and then he took him off and he ca- I think he brought on like John Dale or something like that um, but that's the only time Rangers fans actually chanted something negative towards Alan McCoy's but the Union Bears uh, another controversial uh, bunch they never once put anything negative up about Alan McCoy's like when things were bad they never chanted out chanted Ali out or anything they just didn't really say anything you know but I think Neil Lennon probably does a little does deserve a little bit more respect. Um but I was gonna ask you, what did you make of Chris Sutton's uh tweet that you put out uh, slagging off the Green Brigade for that uh banner that uh, that, that they done today? Well, I actually hadn't saw it, what was it he said? Oh he's basically saying that Neil Lennon's a club legend and he deserves a bit more respect. And he was like, Fair enough if you want him out. But he doesn't deserve a big banner outside the parkhead saying, time's up, Neil, need to go. I'd agree with that, if I'm being honest. Yeah, he definitely deserves a bit more respect. It's fine if you believe that he's not the man that's tried to be in charge of the club at the moment, but um, I'm not for blatant disrespect like that. Uh, I also seen that Lennon said that he's uh, not going to quit. He's going to stick by his guns and see this through until he's told otherwise. Um, do you think that's mainly due to the fact that he has a lot of pride about him and he just can't give this job up because if he does, he's never going to get it again? Yeah, he's definitely one of those kind of people. Um, it does obviously make me wonder, though, um, the longer this goes on and if things get worse, what is going to be the result it's the straw that breaks the camel's back and then the board decide to sack him and they wouldn't hold out and see how things go up until the new year old firm and then if we lose again is that going to be the result where they're like right at that point they'd maybe consider the league loss and then be like right sack him now bring someone in it's lost but it gives us a head start on a rebuild I've seen a lot of Celtic fans already concede the league right now it's crazy. Like, they're actually already conceding 10 because they're, they're basically saying if Lenny stays, Rangers are winning the league and they're down 55. Um, but what do you think, mate? Right, here's the burning question. If Lenny stays, do you think Rangers will go on and win the league? I do, but I also remember... Um the year that Rangers went into administration. Um, I need to go back and look, but I can remember like, something on the back of the daily record saying that the league was over at that point. Um, and I think it was a similar amount of points to what the league is now. Um, and then, obviously, administration happened. Obviously, that had a huge impact on Rangers, but even without the 10-point deduction, Celtic still won the league by a further 10 points so that wasn't a factor so 
I'm not saying that. I'm not at all saying that. Um, I put a tweet out saying, um, I'm, I don't like. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but Rangers currently are, are in a, a fantastic place, playing some brilliant stuff in the form of our lives. But it would be really daft for us to come out and, and be like, yeah, the league's won. Because it's not, you know. And this Rangers team and Rangers fans, like sensible Rangers fans, have learnt from our mistakes not to get too cocky, you know. Um, but I also just seen a wee thing there, mate, that Neil Lennon said that Peter Lawwell is very supportive of him and is standing by him. So... It looks like you won't be going anywhere anytime soon, mate. No, I seen I seen was saying how the back of the board before he got on the white drag ahead of tomorrow night. Sorry, Chris, what'd you say there? The white to crack. I say as I have seen Lennon said that on as he was getting on the flight to Prague that the did the back in the board. Uh, do you know? I just want to touch on something you said there. I was uh, going to like counter it, but then I just wanted to bring that wee thing up there that I actually seen. Right, do you know how you were like talking about um, when Neil Lennon won the league in twenty twelve? Right, see when you look at Neil Lennon's track record of winning leagues. Right, let's analyze it. Right. He won the league in 2012, but bearing in mind Rangers did go into administration. I know you did say Celtic went on to win the league by a further 10 points, right? But see, when you think about it, from the Rangers players' vantage point psychologically, they I think they already conceded the fact that, right, we're 10 points, we've been deducted 10 points, we're in administration, we don't know what the future is like for the club. So, of course, the players' mindset was completely different, you know? And uh, so, basically... Yeah, that season, he won the league, but Rangers did go into administration. Then, uh, I think he spent two more years at Celtic after that. The two years uh, after that, he spent at Celtic. Celtic won the league with Rangers in the league, right? Then he left, returned, and he returned in 2019. And he took over a Celtic team that were already eight points clear, right? So the league was already a gimme at that point. Then, last season... He was handed the league title by a Zoom call, you know. So, when you look at his track record of winning leagues, it's you wouldn't really exactly compare it to a Martin O'Neill, would you? Or a Gordon Stratton. It's not the same, in my opinion. You know, and when he was really up against a really strong Rangers side uh, back in 2011, look what happened. Rangers won the league and Celtic ended up bottling it against Inverness, obviously that famous day, you know, so this is the strongest Rangers team that Lennon's came up against since uh, Walter Smith's team in 2011, so this is going to be a real test to see if Neil Lennon can do it against a strong Rangers, if you know what I'm saying. I just sorry, Chris. Uh, sorry, kind of lagged a bit there. Sorry, troops. Uh, they we got some technical difficulties here, so we have uh, <laughs> connections a bit unstable. But what would you say there, Chris? Yeah, I was just saying. Um, I, 
I don't really see him being able to overcome it at this stage. Um, yeah, no, hundred percent. It's it's interesting, and I remember you said in the pod a couple of weeks ago you made a bold statement, um, saying that you want Sam Allardyce in. I don't don't think that will happen now. Um, same between Eddie Howe's odds on is it Marco Silva second favourite. Marco Silva's a bold one, man. Like, see Eddie Howe. See when you think about it, right? Eddie Howe is a very talented manager, but do you think it might be too much of a a risk for him? I think it will be because he's got already got a fantastic reputation, right? I think he could easily get a job in the Premier League, and. If he was to take over at Celtic at this point in the season, right, considering how strong Rangers are right now, if he was to take over and Rangers go on to win a league, that's going to really tarnish his reputation because Celtic fans want nothing else than 10 in a row this year. That's it. And if they don't get it, the manager's gone, whoever that is, you know. Like, so it's too much of a risk for him, I think. And I know Peter Lawwell will try to push the boat out to get a big name in like Eddie Howe but I think it'll be too too much of a risk for Eddie Howe and his reputation but what do you think? Yeah definitely um, as you say whoever manager at the time that the 10's lost if it is indeed lost um, won't be welcome at the club the next season um, regardless of the result of this season whether the 10 gets won or doesn't um, I do believe there'll be a big rebuild job regardless at Parkhead next summer. And uh, I just want to touch on a game from the, the weekend, Chris. Uh, Celtic Hibs, we watched it together, me, you and Ian. Uh, so we did. And my God, what a shambolic, uh, shambolic, sorry, what a shambolic performance that was. Like, I think Celtic were very, very lucky at a point out that game. Yeah, we were, um, it's like we're only turning up for the last half hour of games to either scrape a win or get ourselves out of a regular situation and get a draw but um, even the goals um, can say we shouldn't have really had a penalty um, and then lacks out equaliser there was a foul in the build up so shouldn't really have either two goals so shouldn't really have got anything from that game not that we deserved anything to begin with the way we performed and uh, Scott Brown, Scott Brown, what a horrendous display he had. And he, giving away that penalty as well in the second half, mate, which led to Hibbs' first goal. Like, what? Right, this guy's meant to be one of the most experienced midfielders in Scottish football. Why would you put an elbow into an opposition player in the box like that? Like, how stupid do you need to be? It's the stuff that you expect to see from young boys or keys and that, but to see it from your experienced captain at his age is just a disgrace. Um, should hang, really be hanging his head in shame for that. Um, Lennon did single him out after the game for it. I don't know if that was really fair to single out just the one player. Um, but uh, yeah, you can't be doing that kind of stuff. And uh, after the game, actually... Neil Lennon said, what was it he said? He said that he called, he called the Celtic players lazy and they've uh, down tools, you know. 
But then Scott Brown came out in the press uh, today, actually, and was saying that the players have 100% faith in Neil Lennon. And obviously you expect him to say that, you know. Um, and one thing I did find interesting, right, in what he said, is like the players need to start playing for Neil Lennon. So that gives me the indication, right, that some players just don't care at all. And that, that's been evident over the last few weeks, that some players at Celtic really do not care. Especially, like, I can name just, like, a couple off the top of my head, like, in Cham, even Edward, I know he scored at the weekend, but Edward looks like he just wants to get out of that club, like, as soon as possible as well. And he's, ever since he's came back to the side, mate, he's not exactly been firing in all cylinders. No, he's really bit informed from last season. Um, I think he's just wanting a big money move away somewhere, but the performances like that were not going to get the kind of money we could have got for him. Um, the further down that road he continues. I just want to touch on this, right? Um, because obviously this segment's mainly about Neil Lennon and Celtic, so there's a, I know there's a lot of Neil Lennon questions here, but it has to be asked. He's been the, the focal point during the press during the week, quite understandably so. Um, but where is it going wrong at Celtic, Chris? Like, where what is Neil Lennon doing wrong, do you think? I don't know. Um, obviously, this... So that squad has changed a lot in like, the last four or five seasons. Um, get quite much of the same core, I feel, though, with Brown, McGregor, Christie when he came through eventually. Um, so, don't really know it. Obviously, like, the immediate conclusion he jumped to is that it is the manager. Um, so, probably say it's something to do with that. Um, not, maybe the player's not buying into his way. Yeah, do you know, apparently, right, um, according to Cy Ferry, right, which I can believe, because he speaks to a lot of Celtic players and whatnot, he was saying that apparently they still do Brendan Rodgers' style of training. Like, Le- Neil Lennon's not implemented his own style. They're still doing what Rodgers was doing when he was at the club, which is, in my opinion, not good at all. Like, Lennon should set down his own marker, his own ways, and not do what the previous manager was doing, you know? That if he's doing that, that just comes across as rather lazy to me. Yeah, definitely, and so most like the players don't have faith in what Lennon's got to bring to the table. So I can see where the friction's coming from. <clears throat> I've seen a lot of Celtic fans also complain about Neil Lennon's uh, team selection and the way he's setting up. Would you agree with that? Um, the formation. I still don't think we know what formation to play with and what proper players they play in whatever formation. Um, obviously we've had like, COVID issues and injuries but it's almost as if we don't know like, our best 11. Yeah, that's what it seems like. And we've, we've also touched on uh, on previous pods about Neil Lennon like, and his lack of passion. He just he looks a shell of his former self. He really does. Yeah, he's um, not quite as fired as he once was. Um, not up shouting on the, uh, shouting on the sideline. A lot of the time, he's just kind of sat sulking, looking like the angry Neil Lennon that we've kind of grown accustomed to seeing over the years. 
Yeah, and uh, we need to touch on the ultimate meme in Scottish football. The gift that keeps on giving, Chris. Big Shane Duffy. <laughs> Even at the weekend, mate, it was so funny. When, was it, Shane, uh, who, I can't remember who Neil Lennon brought off, right? But the, he took someone off and then he brought on Shane Duffy when you were like trailing the game at that point, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Shane Duffy, man. That guy's, oh, mate, I don't think I've seen a worse signing uh, for the old firm. And since probably Joey Barton. And hey, so I think Joey Barton's talented player, right? But obviously it didn't work out for Joey Barton. But I mean, you go with the fact Joey Barton was a failure in Scotland, right? But my God, Shane Duffy. It's 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 beyond laughable. Like, I can remember your reaction. I think you were, obviously, you're very calm, collected, right? And you, I think you were just like, oh, jeez, oh, why is he bringing on Shane Duffy? Like, <laughs> but he, the guy doesn't help himself, mate. See what he put on Instagram uh, a couple of days after that result against Hibs. He uploaded a photo of himself and he put, he put the caption as a middle finger emoji. And I'm like, mate, you don't help yourself. <laughs> You're already despised by sensible Celtic fans out there. <laughs> and he claimed that it was, he meant to put like the uh, bicep pose emoji. He says it was a mistake. It's like, no, you're clearly, like, try to hit out your haters. I know. It, like, that's one battle players will never win is against the fans. Like, remember Josh Windass uh, a couple of years ago pulled that stunt where I think it was right after we beat... You know, sorry, it was right after you beat us. And he was getting it stinking because he scored in the first two minutes against you. Then went radio silent throughout the whole game. He was getting it stinking. Then he scores against bloody Partick Thistle, right? And he's run up to the, uh, the Rangers fans' shushing. And you're like, who do you actually think you are? You know? <laughs> it's just, uh, it's like really petty behaviour. And it's it's a battle that players will never win. The fans will always come out and talk on that, you know? And yeah, even though you will be getting criticism of uh, the fans, see, instead of trying to be childish and shush them and put up finger uh, middle finger emojis, don't do that. Silence the, the, your haters by playing well that's it silence them by playing well that's all you need to do and that's how you prove the haters wrong simple as instead of childish behaviour to go and like shushing and middle finger emojis you know yeah um, I thought Duffy did a good few couple of games but ever since that old film it's kind of just all fell apart unraveled and we've kind of seen it from the player that he really is yeah 100% and uh, before we touch on uh, Rangers sorry uh, I just need to ask you tomorrow Sparta Prague a few weeks ago Chris it was a terrible result for you getting scudded 4-1 at home or Sparta Prague um, it, the chances of you getting out of this group are very very slim so tomorrow it's a must-must win. You need to win your last two games, in my opinion, if you have any chance of getting out of this group. You know? So... Yeah, definitely. So what are you thinking tomorrow against Sparta Prague? Um, don't have that much faith, to be honest, given, like, uh, like two wins in eight games. Um, so... Don't think they'll scud us in a game like Parkhead. Um... If I'm being honest, it'll either be a score draw or a spark a win. 
yeah. But it's start times for Celtic fans, you know, and uh, obviously I'm loving it. <laughs> and uh, Neil Lennon must stay, mate. Um, so we'll move on. We're talking about Rangers. We always leave Rangers to the last, the main event, obviously. Uh, so, Chris, times uh, for myself and other Rangers fans are fantastic. Made the best start to our season in 53 years, you know, and like, look what happened the other week. We drew three each with Benfica and we were annoyed. <laughs> we were annoyed because, like, who would have thought, right, we would be annoyed at getting a draw away from home against a real good side like Benfica. And we scored three goals as well. Mental. <laughs> yeah, and had that chance um, was a flying ten because I got fourth and then he got a fair bit of criticism from players, well, not players, fans, sorry. And it was like, no, you don't give them that kind of stick. No, I think it was just a, f- a few dafties on social media saying that, you know, but like, like Ryan Kemp is brilliant on the night. Like, he was super. I think everyone put a shift in. The only play, in fact, everyone apart from Halander against Benfica put a shift in. Don't know what came over Halander that night. Like, even for the first goal, like, right early on when Benfica scored, he was just all over the place, you know? And when they scored, eh, I was like, oh, God, I think this is going to be a tough one. But we, we, we responded well. Um, We were cool, calm and collected. Got the equaliser. Um, and then obviously Kamara got the second one Glenn Kamara shooting outside the box mate who would have thought <laughs> who would have thought you know and that, I mean he done that I'm like mate he needs to start, start shooting outside the box more often you know so I was like oh we're in the driving seat here this is brilliant you know and uh, then Alfredo gets the third <sighs> tremendous uh, then that's him uh, that's him overtaking Al McCoyst uh, when it comes to European goals scored you know so in our history, he's scored the most goals in Europe, which is a pretty fucking good achievement to have. Yeah, what, three, four seasons? Um, was he with his the season that um, Rogan... He, he was, aye. He joined us in 2017. So he did, and it was Pedro Cassinha that signed him. The only good thing to come out of Pedro Cassinha's reign as Rangers manager, <laughs> you know, Alfredo Morelos. Um, but, like... I mean, see, like even touching on it, like you brought on Ryan Kent, like sorry, you brought up Ryan Kent. Um, even right, Ryan Kent in the first half, obviously, was like clean through, and then the Benfica player took him right out. Wait, obviously, it was a good, denying a goal scoring opportunity, you know, and it just shows you the, like how talented Ryan Kent is that he's able to cause defenders those problems and get in the right areas, you know. Um, but when we're winning three one, I was like, right, I'm happy with this, but. I'm not getting, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, you know, and then obviously Benfica get, uh, get a second. Hollander at fault again. And I put in the Scott score chat, I'm like, here, we need to make a change. Just bring on Balogun for the last, like, 30 minutes or so. Because Hollander, he's had a poor night. Nothing's going to get better for him. Just let's see the game out. Bring on Balogun. But we never. And uh, I, would, I just wish we just sat back and basically parked the bus, put 10 men behind the ball and seen the game out. But I don't know what it was, but we just, like, wanted to go on and get another. And then we, I think Arfield, I remember Arfield was running with the ball uh, down the middle and it, all he had to do was just, like, punt it into up to the corner flag, that was it. But then he uh, 
got caught in possession. Uh, so he did. Benfica won the ball, and then, what the Benfica player can't remember his name. Obviously, played a a lovely ball through, and then they scored, made it for each, and it was a it was a kidney thief. Not gonna lie, um, but it just shows you how high the standards are that we're annoyed at getting a draw away from home against Benfica. You know, and it's not like it's going to affect our chances of getting out of the group, because let's be honest, we are going to get out of the group. You know, and I'm feeling. Fairly confident of beating Benfica tomorrow. Yeah, I think um, it's on a similar situation to us last year. Um, you have a chance to secure qualification out of the group tomorrow night. Yeah, exactly. And uh, things are looking brilliant, mate, honestly. And um, it ju- like, I seen what Gerard said about that Benfica game. Uh, I-, I think he said it last week in the build up for the Aberdeen game. He was saying the Rangers players are still annoyed at that Benfica game and I'm like yes that is what I want to see in here like we should be annoyed at that because we should have won that game you know um, but yeah a few days later we played Hamilton Rangers players took their anger and frustration out in Aki's <laughs> by battering Aki's 8-0 <laughs> oh Aki's got Rangers at a bad time man because obviously Rangers were annoyed the fact we didn't see out that game and then, well, me, me, we, it was a, it was a real doing. Aki's got. <laughs> it was a brilliant game to watch. It was like yeah. it could make that could have been ten, eleven, ten or eleven goals, easily. Yeah. Aki's didn't even have an attempt on goal. No, it was a real. <laughs> it was a it was a real sore one for Aki's, and I uh, also seen Aki's got a point against Aberdeen tonight. That was a fantastic result for them. Yeah, um, I was going to say about the game against Rangers. I can remember making up predictions on the board. I said 4 0 at the time, and I thought, I think I'm being generous saying 4 0 and I went on, it was double that. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, tonight against Team Team Aberdeen, a point for a club like Aki's against Aberdeen, who are now third. Um, it's huge. Um, obviously, I think they're still behind St. Mirren. St. Mirren have games in hand, but probably like Aki's they take every point they can get especially against clubs like Aberdeen yeah and I say it every week Chris right but I cannot be happier with it like I cannot be more than happy like with this Rangers team like I'm so happy like with it like see, like, see when you look at every position in the team it, it there's quality in every area it's like for like you know and we're just playing with such confidence right now and look at the game against Aberdeen at the weekend. Beat Aberdeen four 0 comfortably, and that, like Stephen Goose Drew, we have it on Saturday. I was like, yes, that's brilliant. Celtic drop points, but it will mean nothing if we can't beat Aberdeen. You know, and we beat them very convincingly. Very convincingly, uh, so we did. Game was over in the first half, mate. Game was over in the first half. It was, it was that comfortable for us. Um, I know Aberdeen were missing some players, you know, but regardless of that, Aberdeen are still a tough side to play against, especially due to the fact of how they are difficult to break down and they play with 10 men behind the ball. But that did not phase us whatsoever, mate. Did not phase us at all. Um, but what did you make of that Rangers performance? It like, felt like a training session, almost, you know. And uh, see my pal JJ, who's an Aberdeen fan, 
he texts me and he was like oh well I expected that but at least we got more shots uh, on target than Celtic <laughs> you know but it just shows you like teams are actually being like oh at least we got more sh- shots on target uh, target against Rangers than Celtic did you know like <laughs> it just shows you the pedestal that Rangers have set <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah but even when you look at the possession stats mate 71% possession against Aberdeen's 29 like, we're just running a mock with teams right now. And it's like, Ibrox is a fortress. Like, nothing phases us right now. Like, we are just, we're ruthless. And I know I sound like I'm getting too ahead of myself, but I think I have every right to be jubilant about this Rangers side. It's like, especially where we're playing, it's like, remember at the start of the season, you and I were saying that Ryan Kent's the most informed player in the country. I feel like it's changing every two or three weeks. When it comes to an Rangers player, like, right now, I think it's James Tavenier. I think James Tavenier right now is the best Rangers player in the country. Or, sorry, the best player in the country right now in terms of form. And I think he's been our best player this season. I think he's scored 13 goals, mate. 13 goals, and he's got nine assists. For a right-back, that is unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of them have came for the penalties. He's a designated penalty player, but... Um... All joking aside, um, the way he's playing, bagging assists in and getting forward and setting things up, that says a lot about him and his character and I definitely think he's developed into a fine Rangers captain. I know, 100% he has, mate. Like Everyone always talks about the penalties and that and whatever. Like, the thing is, though, it takes balls to step up and take a penalty and he's arguably the best penalty taker in the country. Like, See, it, it doesn't matter where he gets his goals from. He's still getting the goals. And he's even though it's from the spot, still goals a goal, you know. And he deserves a lot of praise for that. And he never shies away. And he's just loving playing for Rangers right now. And he's went through a lot of turmoil at Rangers. And he's received a lot of uh, criticism. And it has been justified, you know. But he's just in a league his own right now. And he's hands down the best right back in the country by a country mile, by a country mile, mate. And I just want to touch on big Kamar Roof. Had a blinder at the weekend against Aberdeen. Got himself a wee goal as well. Roof's movement and he's touching the ball is tremendous. This guy is, I think he's light years ahead of most strikers in the country. Genuinely. Like, you can see why he's played in England and had the success he's had, he's had in England with Leeds, you know. Like, the options we've got in the final third in the midfield, even defensively, it's it's frightening, mate. Like, it is frightening. And it's hard not to... I know I just said it there, but it's hard not to get so excited about this Rangers team right now, you know? Like, and we don't need to rely on Morelos anymore. Because, like, and Morelos at the weekend, he... I've seen a, f- a few people on Twitter trying to stir something up about, oh, look at Morelos, looks angry that he's getting subbed off. Let's be honest, mate. That's a good thing. Do I want to see Morelos being happy getting subbed off? No. I want to see him angry getting subbed off. If like That just shows that he's happy at Rangers and he wants to score goals and prove himself. You know? And I love that. Yeah, definitely. Um, you always want to see that kind of fire from your players and um, they're getting subbed off. They've, no, they've not done what they nasty do um, so you want them to go off be angry about it and then come back the next time with improved fire and 
get a performance in. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah, um, it's like, you know, we've only conceded three goals in the league this year. Three goals. That, that is... Yeah, that is staggering. The three goals we conceded uh, were two against Hibs, two against Hibs, and one against Motherwell, which was an own goal. <laughs> which was an own goal from Big George Edmondson, you know. So, no, mate, like, we're a force we reckon with right now. And if we continue this uh, run of form, mate, no matter how good Celtic get, if we continue this run of form and we don't have a dip, I'm, I'm going to say it now. It's a bold one. If we continue this run of form and keep playing the way we do, I think we'll go unbeaten. Bold claim. It's a bold one, mate. It's a bold one. <laughs> right. But it's like, hang on, so it's hard to see past this Rangers team, though. If you, if you know what I'm saying. Like, at this moment yeah. in time, it's very hard to see past it. And you know how you brought up the thing that happened in 2011, 2012, where we were like 15 points clear, right? That that Rangers team, it was under Al McCoy's right. It was a good team. It was. It was Walter Smith's team. But we weren't playing brilliant, if you know what I'm saying. Like, we weren't playing brilliant football. We were getting results, but we are grinding them out, you know. We weren't, we weren't doing it convincingly. But we're still getting them. But this Rangers team, though, are winning convincingly. Convincingly. Battering teams. Playing brilliant football at it, mate. Like I'm not even too, I'm not even getting too excited here, right? But see at times, mate, when I'm watching Rangers, I feel like I'm watching Barcelona. <laughs> I feel like I'm watching Barcelona, mate. That's how good we are. <laughs> the silence from Chris Toner. <laughs> he has no comment after that. <laughs> Just a smart What would you say? I think you're getting a little bit here. <laughs> no, honestly, like... Football, then. No, like... Of course I'm not saying like Barcelona, but I'm just meaning like the way we're playing, it feels like at times I'm like... But I'm just saying, right, if you put... If you see, see that Rangers team out there right now, if you put Barcelona shirts on them, I don't think you can tell the difference. <laughs> I don't think you can tell the difference, mate. <laughs> What'd you say? If you... You put that in front of somebody that didn't know anything about football, it'd be easy for them to believe. Yeah, definitely, mate. Definitely. But, yeah, things are looking good and I'm feeling confident against Benfica tomorrow, so I am. And, as we were touching on earlier on, Chris, for the first time in years, Celtic fans realise how they've got a threat and a challenge on their hands. And that Rangers are no longer pushovers, and their their chances of getting ten are under serious threat. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think ultimately, um, if Celtic don't do it, um, not going to sit and make excuses about their own performances. I'll just be upfront the fact that Rangers were would be the far better team and. Yeah, deserve league Yeah. So I've just seen this wee stat here, right? Listen to this, Chris. Rangers have scored 41 goals this year. Three goals conceded. Um, well, this is in the league, actually. Sorry, this is in the league. Um, so we've scored 41 goals, conceded three, 
unbeaten in 15 games. And of course, we're 11 points clear. But that 11 points clear doesn't really mean much because you have two games in hand, right? And if you win those two games in hand, it'll go back down to five points. So that 11 points doesn't really mean a great deal, you know? Yeah, and then obviously, not that I fancy our chances too much at this stage, but um, obviously a result at the new year old firm would bring that down to two. Yeah, and also that's at Ibrox, and as I was saying, mate, we've not considered Ibrox in the league uh, at all this season. And I think, if I'm right, we've only conceded one goal at Ibrox in all competitions this season and that was against Galatasaray and there's no shame in that you know no definitely not so yeah it's things are looking very rosy in the garden for Stevie G and the boys Um, but I seen uh, Stevie G right after the Aberdeen game uh, knew about the the stat uh, well we got notified sorry about the stat that this was our best start in the league since in like 53 years and he wasn't too, too excited about it. He was like, yeah, that's brilliant, but still a lot of work to do. And that's the right mindset we need to have. Like, We can't have someone getting too excited and saying, right, league's over in November, because that doesn't happen. That does not happen at all. Um, It's just unrealistic, and it's just really immature to do that. You know, like, put it this way, mate, like, see if we made this, this kind of start last season. I'll I'll be honest. I would probably be getting way too ahead of myself. But uh, after learning from previous mistakes, I'm not going to do that. You know, um. And just fingers crossed, mate. Right, that we do not go to Dubai if there's a winter break. If we go to Dubai, the whole the whole thing's knackered, mate. Whole thing's knackered. <laughs> Going on sky scanner just now. <laughs> oh no man I hope Dubai's off limits for travelling due to Covid I hope it is man and I think no I don't I don't think uh, Gerard and uh, the Rangers uh, hierarchy will ever send the Rangers players to Dubai ever again man <laughs> I don't know what happened there I do not know what happened but I seen a funny thing on Twitter earlier on mate um, it was do you know how we're like with Jack Wilson right now yeah, I mean, <laughs> right, well, I like Jack Wilshire, right? I've seen something, uh, it said, right, I might be wrong, right? But it said something like uh, Jack Wilshire, it was recently in Dubai or something like that. I don't know how true it is, right? And then someone was like, no, nah, he's no sign for us. Get him to, get him to fuck. <laughs> in the water in Dubai. And I know, I was like, no, nah, man, that's a place that's a no goer. <laughs> you know? But, yeah, there's just. There's really not a great deal to really add on Rangers right now, but apart from how brilliant we're playing and how everything's just, just it's just a great time to be a Rangers fan, you know. And I'm not gonna lie, Chris, I have been taking a lot of pleasure in the meltdown that Celtic have had over this past week, mate. <laughs> yeah, you would. Hundred percent, mate, and. Um, just try to think if there's anything else that we need to touch on before we go on to the news. Um, oh, yeah, there is. Um, George Edmondson and Jordan Jones are banned for, I think, seven games. Seven games, yeah. Not like it really makes a difference to us right now, anyways. Um, 
But I, I imagine we touched on it in the pod last time we done, we done it. I think Jones will be away in January. Edmondson, I think he might potentially be given another chance, but I think he'll be sent out in loan. You know. But yeah, Jones is scuppered it for him. Pardon me. Yeah, Jones has scuppered it for himself, you know. So, yeah. We'll move on to news, Chris. You've got all the news sorted. And then, after that, we'll wrap it up. Yeah, um, the head of the SPFL, I believe, um, right in the Scottish Government for a meeting about um, fans of games. Oh, right. Yeah, because I've seen yeah. in England that uh, Boris came out and said that after the English uh, lockdown is over, uh, football fans are up to about 4,000 uh, can attend games. You know, so if they're, if they're allowing that in England, uh, fingers crossed that Sturgeon can let that happen up here because the lower league clubs are getting badly, badly affected by this. They are. And yeah. on you go. I was just going to say um, that I think it was the World League Club argument that um, the head of the SPFL was having um, because how much more heavily heavier clubs up here rely on gate receipts as opposed to clubs in England. So I think he was basically saying it was a case of start thinking about getting fans back in the gate or some of these lower league clubs will start to go yeah, yeah, exactly, you know. And um, I just don't understand how like, Ibrox and Parkhead, right, how the old firm aren't allowed fans back, like, obviously we can't have the full 50,000, 60,000 there, right, but due to how big the stadiums are, how are we not allowed to at least have some fans back, like, with social distancing measures in place, the stadiums are massive, right, can have everyone spread out, you know, like, they can eat quite easily, have, they quite easily have journalists at games spread out, right, how can we not have some fans spread out, I don't get it. I mean, I can get it being like a public safety matter, especially when we're under the highest tier, tiers of restrictions at the moment. But, but when you start bringing it down, um, I don't see why we can't. And um, I filled out a survey as part of my season ticket about what I feel comfortable going back to games, what measures would make me feel comfortable going back to games if they those measures in place, um, that kind of thing. So... Definitely an appetite from fans myself included to getting back to games in some capacity. Yeah, 100%. You know, so fingers crossed that could happen because uh, I think the Scottish Government have been really poor in supporting the lower league clubs. Um, and I think there's a good chance that some may go under because they're hanging on by this, like, the, like the skin of their teeth right now. Like, they're just... They're hanging on by a thread, you know, and the Scottish government need to do more to help support the lower league clubs, or else they're going to go bust. Um, like the whole firm will be fine. The majority of the top, uh, the majority of the clubs in top flight will be fine. Lower league clubs, not so much. Yeah, definitely. Um, generally, I don't think like the government really has provided any form of support at the moment for um, sporting clubs or that. Plenty of other industries being neglected, but um, football being such a part of people's lives, um, and then you look at smaller clubs, it's like 
local smaller towns like they do a lot do in the community so if the clubs that are like to die then you're right now the heart of a small small areas community um yeah exactly no you're spot on I'm just saying, you got the, what's the next story, Chris? I was just waiting on there, you go to the next story. Um, well, the COVID-19 in the Scotland under-21 squad, um, SFA Chief Executive Ian Maxwell had to issue an apology over it um, after numerous players tested positive and um, other players had to self-isolate and as a result, players missed games. Oh, really? That's not a good look at all, man. Yeah. That's not a good look at all. And, uh, yeah, yeah. do you think that might get investigated how several players actually tested positive for it? Because that's a weird one. I know that a lot of players do test positive during an international break, but see the fact there was several players, as you said, that tested positive in under-21s, that's, I think that's something that needs to be looked at. Yeah, I definitely think there is going to be an investigation. Um, there's been reports that see if any rules were breached and if indeed they were then obviously they say they need self to account for that yeah definitely mate now you're spot on man yeah because that's uh, that's a weird one I think that might actually be me oh, is that it aye sorted mate um, good episode mate it's good to be back uh, apologies guys for not doing a a podcast over the last uh, couple of weeks or so, we were we had a lot of uni deadlines we had to cater to. But we're back now, and we should be back next week as well. And uh, until next time, guys, take care, and we'll see you soon.